One of the challenges of instructional coaching is finding affordable, specialized training that's designed just for you. That's why I'm excited to share an online event with you that's right up your alley. SIBME is hosting a free online conference all about instructional coaching called Better Together. It's a one-day virtual event with dynamic keynote speakers, including Jim Knight, and breakout sessions designed to help you grow as an instructional coach. Head to sibme.com slash buzz to register for this free event. That's S-I-B-M-E dot com forward slash B-U-Z-Z. Sibme, changing the way people learn at work. You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey coach, and welcome to episode 147, Evaluating Your Coaching Work. This is a coaching call with Diane Farlett, and I am so excited to talk with her about how she can try different things to sort of evaluate her coaching impact. This last series of episodes has all about been all about your coaching impact. And we've been talking about ways that you can evaluate your work and figure out what's important for you to do next in terms of coaching. If you have been stuck in terms of where do I even start figuring out how to evaluate my work? I want you to grab this free webinar that I have for you. It's at buzzingwithmissb.com slash webinar with a capital W. And the reason I think it's so important is it's going to help you really define your coaching role, communicate that with teachers and admin, because if you don't have that in place, you cannot really figure out where do I go next? You can't evaluate if you've been effective because you don't have an established purpose for your work. So definitely grab that free webinar and there's a hand, uh, handout that you can download too. We're going to talk today about how we can evaluate this viscous sort of role of coaching and try to figure out if you're making a real impact. And that's why I'm so excited about this conversation. So let's welcome our coaching friend to the podcast. Welcome, Diane. I'm really glad you're able to join me today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm happy that you're here because we're going to talk about such an important topic. And before we get started with this topic, I want to hear a little bit about your coaching work. So if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and what kind of work you actually do as a coach, we'd love to hear it. Okay. Well, I'm in my fourth year as a reading coach and I was a former first grade teacher for many, many years. Um, I am in, when I first started as a coach, we were only in one school. So I had that experience of doing just one school and totally and everything that that school did. However, the last three years, we are now district coaches and, and we share schools. So I have two schools now and I, this year is new because we do one week at one school and one week at another school. And so it's that flip flop uh, back and forth, but um, it's, we have about nine, nine schools in the district for elementary, I would say, nine schools in the district for elementary school, and we have five reading coaches. So we all have that to school, and then we meet together and collaborate as a, as a district coaches. So. How interesting. Mm -hmm. um, okay, well, it's good that you have um, colleagues, at least, to meet with and to talk a little yes. bit about your work, especially whenever you're, you're transitioning between two schools like that. I know that can be a challenge. It is. And, and one of my schools, I mean, they're totally opposites. They're literally on opposite ends of the district mm -hmm. One is very rural. And we have about 250 
50 students, I would say. Uh, they're both, all of our schools are Title I. And then my other school is about 800 students. And it's, you know, in the town. So it's, they're just totally different mm -hmm. populations and demographics and that sort of thing. But the interesting thing is that both of them are doing the same curriculum. So, because not all the schools are doing the same curriculum. Okay. So that makes it tough. But both of my schools are doing the same curriculum. So that helps me at least be able to coach into those schools. That's probably an interesting perspective because you're looking at the way the curriculum is being done from two different schools with two different groups of kids. Yes. And two different places as well. So mm -hmm. the school, we started rolling out the curriculum uh, four years ago when I was here because we had a new administrator principal and that's what she mandated. So I was on board and we did that. So, but since then we've had a lot of turnover, a lot of turnover. So it's almost the same as my bigger school where this is our first year implementing. So it's, that's been, that's one of the reasons why I was asking about, you know, evaluating the work because yeah. we've had such a huge turnover. And now with the shortage of teachers, we have teachers that are, you know, just not certified or we have long-term subs, things like that. So that's been an experience. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm imagining those teachers who aren't certified. Uh, so they're not certified at all. Are they working on their alternate certification they're, or? Okay. Well, the ones I have are working on it. So that's good. They are in school and learning. Um, we do have some schools that have teachers that are, that are literally just starting out. So Yikes. yeah. Um, okay. So the, and the long-term subs actually is really challenging as well, because those teachers may or may not have anything to do with education at all. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Those yes. honestly were my most challenging situations. Well, sometimes, <laughs> um, in that they'd be there for months for FMLA or whatever leave the teacher was on. And then you just, you're working with somebody who has no background in, in working with kids necessarily. Right. Um, and then they don't always know what you're there to do. <laughs> that's yeah, <laughs> yeah stressful. So what are some of the things that you have thought about in terms of evaluating your work? Have you ever tried to do that before? Or what kinds of thinking have you done around that? Yes. When I, well, when I was in the one school, it was, uh, well, I did the Google forums, you know, and I would always get teacher feedback and I do that to an extent. I like to get teacher feedback and see what they think and how they think things are going. But, uh, you know, I'm also looking right now at data. Um, and we just actually, we just had a meeting today in which it's coming from the top down, but, you know, where we're looking at core instruction and the, the results, the test results are not going in the right direction. They're either staying the same or they're going down. So as a core reading coach, then I'm looking at, okay, well, how can I help these teachers and how can I know that my work is, you know, being, being productive? Um, so I don't know. Those are the things I've really just done the Google forms where you get their feedback and then just looking at data. Um, I would also say I have done literacy. I call them literacy walks mm -hmm. where I'll just um, okay, teachers, today's the day I'm going to come around and just kind of 10 minutes in every class and just look at something that they want to showcase. So I have done that, which helps me 
get a feel for how much they're implementing uh, the curriculum that we're using. And that's where we're, I'm struggling with some of that because when I go in, I can tell, you know, we're not doing what the principal has asked or the district has asked. And, and I don't, it's, yeah, that's been, that's been interesting, but we're also seeing it in their data too. Right. Yeah. There's a, there's a clear connection between the instruction and the data, which, which yes. at least, you know, on one hand, I will say that means that there's room to grow because whenever mm -hmm. your teaching looks great and your data looks bad, you're like, what is, what's happening? And then usually right. it's building the bridge to whatever the assessment looks like that the kids are struggling with that. And the teachers have not done that. But, um, but yeah, if the teaching is not in place, then you know why the data looks like the way it looks. Um, so something you might think about is those learning walks that you're doing, are they kind of like informal? You just kind of observe and take some notes in general about what you're seeing? More, I think, well, they are informal. And then I'm just, I am just taking notes about what I'm seeing. And I do try to leave a post-it note and sometimes like, uh, but the teachers have known like, mm -hmm. like this is when I'm coming out. I'd like to see uh, your phonics or I'd like to see your reading, whatever that is. And I'll usually leave a little treat and a post-it note, but I'm only there 10, 15 minutes. Okay. Now, on other times, I will try to do an impromptu drop in, uh, but that's been, honestly, that's been difficult for me because it's awkward when, when they're not, I try, I know that we should be building that experience of where they're just used to people coming and going, but when you walk in and they're not expecting you, it's you know, oh, how can I help you? And then it's like, uh -huh. oh, don't worry. I'm just, I'm just here to, just here to watch. Just <laughs> right. One thing you might so, consider with, with, to address that specific part is to send them a message and email to say, I'm going to be coming by this week, sometime this week. And that way, okay. at least, I mean, it doesn't mean that they're going to be on their toes all week. That's not even what you're looking for. You want to see what's really happening. Um, right. But it, it does mean that they know you're coming so that whatever you do come, hopefully they don't go, can I help you? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and they don't stop their lesson. And you could even say, there's no need to stop your lesson. No need to interrupt the teaching. I'm wanting to see what's going on so I can figure out what next steps I can take to support you better. Awesome. Okay. Yes, I will do that. Yeah. Just to, just to help that part. So. Yes. Yeah, that one small thing that does make it difficult to see what's really happening. The other right. thing you might consider is I'm, I'm thinking about your learning walks and how you're, you really truly are trying to figure out, okay, what's going on, what is mm -hmm. happening in terms of, you know, this curriculum that we're using, we're trying to align this curriculum and we're rolling it out basically anew in both schools. And right. one thing you might consider is take that curriculum and make some sort of a document that will help you focus on the pieces of the curriculum that you're looking for the most. So you might okay. have to isolate, okay, what's most essential? I can't focus on everything right now. What are the four main things that if we are not doing this, we are not doing our teaching of reading. Like it's just not happening. Right. Um, so pull out those most essential things and then get really specific with it and make it into almost like a checklist or like, I mean, let's say that academic vocabulary is one of the components. Ta while you're in there, make a little box on your form. And while you're in there, tally how many times you hear academic vocabulary being used, write down the actual words, who's using them, teachers or kids, you know, um, okay. kind of something like that. If you're looking at questioning, have a little mm -hmm. box for questioning, yes. actually record the questions that are okay. being asked all of the questions, you know, right. 
um, by teachers and by kids. So you could maybe do a two column thing if you want to do it that way. Um, you know, there was one year that we were rolling out a behavior program. We had created this behavior program as a committee at our school because we were trying to align behavior practices across our campus. Everybody was doing their own thing. It was not working, you know? Right, so right. We, it wasn't a perfect program, but it was something to start with. So we created this program. And what we did is I just made a little sheet and then we ran through the whole school and we recorded based on the program, what's in place, this, 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 this is in place, this, 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 we have no check marks here. There's this whole little section that's missing. And right. that really helped us to say, okay, on our next professional development, our next PLC, our next you know coaching cycle or mm -hmm. learning opportunity, we're going to come back to this because this is not in place. Uh, yes, yes, I can. Yeah, we, it's uh, interesting that you said that because just, well, probably in, right before Christmas break, uh, when we came together to collaborate as the district coaches, um, one of the things that we were told or tasked to do, do is to do something similar to that to see what's exactly happening in phonics. You know, what, what exactly are we using? Because we, that's one thing that every school in our district, we do have the same phonics curriculum. So, okay, all coaches go out, get the data, see whatever, see what components of that is being used and what's not. And that was very interesting, very, but that was very good. Then we can see what we need to work on. Right. Did they provide you a form for that one or did you have to make your own? They did. Um, we do have the components to look for. Mm -hmm. and that, that was actually even part of it was provided by the company itself. Like okay. it had a checklist for us so we could use that. Uh, the reading and writing curriculum though, across the district is different. That's what's, that's right. what's hard because, you know, out of the nine elementary schools, they're using, you know, some are doing this curriculum, some are doing that one, some are, we're just not all in the same place. Yeah. Um, but definitely I did start working on something just yesterday for the curriculum that I'm involved with creating something, what you're saying, I think, uh, like a little checklist to see what I could do as well. And I'll share that once I get it done, but I haven't finished it. I'm just trying to get tips from other coaches as well. Hey, you know, what do you think about these components? Are these important? But, um, but I like what you were saying about the, the questioning and, and doing the kids versus the, you know, what are we seeing kids versus teachers and um, vocabulary is another big piece of ours as well. So. Okay. Do you have what, so you would look at questions. So if you're thinking about the components that you might consider, you're thinking about mm -hmm. questioning academic vocabulary, are there any teacher practices that, that, or like yeah, well, environmental we, pieces? Yes. Uh, workshop model is big here. Okay. And so that's been um, one of the things that we, that it, that is mandated is just workshop model. What you, the curriculum you use to get there is, you know, can be different, but it still needs to be a mini lesson format and then be able to pull small groups, things like that. So um, the mini lesson is one of the things that when I do go around to the classrooms, that is one of the things that I'm seeing is, is hard for like the teachers you know, many, it's supposed to be many. We're supposed to be concentrating on one teaching point. And, you know, we're, but I'm seeing 15, 20 minute lessons and then worksheets. And that's one of the things that our curriculum is like, do less worksheets and more authentic work. So those are the things I'm trying to, to, to see. 
Mm-hmm. Have they seen it in action? Yes, yes. We, I have taken, well, um, I did try, I, well, I'm, I'm actually doing this this week is I started doing what some, like a mega lab. And so I was really, it's the first time I've ever done this. And I met yesterday with two different grade levels. They had half a day and we went and did an observation, a peer observation. So they got to see it in practice. Then we came back, did a little bit of work, and then they got to plan their own lesson and then go teach it in their classrooms. So that was very eye-opening. I just, I just hope that they can continue that. I love that approach. I love that they get to see it and then they immediately plan and then they immediately try it. I absolutely love that. That is such an effective way to get people to try something different. And then they try it right away and they can get a feel for like, well, where am I stuck? You know, so following up on that is going to be so important and asking, okay, so let's look at how did that lesson go? Can we talk about what went well, what you want support in? It's a good place to get ideas about where you can like structure coaching cycles around. Um, right and conversation that would be good and then so that leads into my question too with mm-hmm. with what I just did yesterday so just before well the, just this morning I was and I'm not I haven't sent this out so I'm not even sure I want to but I'd love to get your feedback mm-hmm. so knowing what we did yesterday so then I thought okay what could be my follow-up with these teachers to make sure that we do continue the work mm-hmm. so I was going to go over I was going to have them sign up for an observation where I can come in and offer feedback and see, you know, a week down the, so now you, you know, give them a week or so to practice and then go in and see how you're doing and offer that feedback. I don't know if that's something I should do, or that's kind of where my head was going. Yeah. You could definitely include that. You might meet with them prior to that um, okay. just to discuss how it was when they tried it out. Cause if it's something very new, they might've tried it and still been like, I still don't know if I'm doing this right. You know? So they might want to talk about it and say, well, this is where I had trouble. And so you could do like a dialogue about it and, you know, like reflect on the lesson and what they can do differently or how they can make it work for them. And then that you can have them sign up after that. You might also give them sort of a coaching menu of options. So maybe not just an observation, maybe they don't feel good about it yet. And they want to do some more learning. So you could also give them like three choices. Do you want me to model? Do you want to co-teach? Do you want me to observe? You could try that. Okay. Um, or do you want to observe another classroom? Do you feel like you need to see it at a different grade level or something like that? Um, oh. Depending on what's available to you, you know, in terms right. of coverage and stuff like that. Right. Um, That's but, a good idea. Uh, that might kind of, if people are, how are, are they feeling stressed about it? Could you tell? Uh, I had two different grade levels yesterday. One is stressed because they really truly are not embracing they don't like this method anyway okay Mm -hmm. so that I was and I told them I said well I'm hoping that with this particular PD that we did that that can help them become more comfortable and understand it a little bit more so that they can start using it more and more Um, and they were very nervous to go in but I told it you know afterwards they they really did a wonderful job they and I really it was wonderful. And I told him, I said, see, we could practice it in a non-judgmental, you know, environment. And yes. so they did appreciate that. And the other grade level, they've been doing it, but they're, they're new. They're all like first-year teachers. Mm-hmm. So for them, it was an opportunity for them to practice more with their teammates and to work on something together and to kind of cement it more. Yeah, refine. 
kind of refine what they're doing and say, okay, exactly. that's what I was doing, but now I see Matt. Okay. I'm going to change it to that. You know, I like exactly. that they did this. Right. So I did have method. two different, yes, it was two different experiences, but, mm-hmm. but they were both good. That's and. great. Well, that's, that's fantastic. Um, so, okay. So as you're thinking about, you're talking about, okay, you're going to do this, these, this round of, of visits where you're going to like basically sweep across your whole school and you're going to figure out what's in place, what's not. And then you're going to set some goals for your own work around that is what I would recommend. So you go visit all these rooms, you see everything that's going on. And this is, this, what I, I would say this would be separate from the observations that you're talking about planning in response to the visits that you did the other day. To me, this is just okay. like a sweep with your form that you make based on your curriculum. You're going to look at everything, right? Okay. And then, and they don't have to be like hour long visits. It's not like a punitive thing. So it's kind of like you either see it or you don't, there's either evidence for it or there's not, you know? Right. Right. And and, um, you can tell teachers, I am looking to figure out where to focus my support. I'm just going to come across the school and see everything. Okay. Don't worry about what I'm looking at. I'm, this is for me to figure out my goals as a coach. Right. Okay. And so then, then you can set a few goals around that work. And I think if you really focus on those goals through PD, PLC and coaching cycles, then after six weeks or, or two months or so, you can go do another sweep. Okay. And that's when you can kind of see, okay, has this made an impact? The things that I focused on, do I see evidence of that? Oh, and awesome. also, you know, now what? Yes. <laughs> do I keep doing this? Do I do something different? You know? Right. I like that because then I can make it more data-driven so that when I do the first round, And I've got that checklist. I can keep, uh, you know, kind of check and see what is the majority? What are we doing? What are we not? And then six weeks later, go back and do that again and see the comparison. See if we've come up with the use of certain things. Yes. Like that. Yeah. And you'll have some targets for your PLCs, some targets for your coaching cycles. And granted, we do work on teacher goals for coaching cycles, but you you can know kind of the areas that they're trying to grow in because you've seen it in action mm-hmm. in their classrooms. Um, and then you can also for your PLCs. Do you have PLCs with your teachers? Yes. And that's the other thing that's been a little off this year. Uh, I have to say, you know, this year just, you know, COVID changed a lot of things. So before COVID and even during COVID, believe it or not, we continued doing uh, PLCs pretty much every week. I mean, it was standard on every Tuesday. They knew they were going to come meet with either me or the, uh, we have an MTSS coach too. So they would meet with one of us. Uh, So I was meeting with them two to three times a month. Whereas, but then we got a lot of feedback across the district. You know, we don't have time. We, we don't, you know, they did, there was a lot of feedback about that. Mm -hmm. So the coaches, we all backed off and it it was supposed to be like one a month now. Uh, But really, truly I did more, um, I don't know, coaching cycles, I guess, but, but now we're seeing in our data and in the, what we're hearing from admin is that, oh, everybody's coming off the bandwagon. Like we're all dropping off. We're all doing different things now. And so once we stopped meeting, things are not in the forefront anymore. So I think this semester, the, the goal is to have more. Like I just, I think one of my, one school is going to do me once a month. And then I think my smaller school is wanting me to do two times a month. So that's probably good. Um, yeah, alignment, growth, especially with new teachers. I yes. how does it happen? You know, it doesn't well, happen. Exactly. And with me sharing schools, I'm not here every day. Mm-hmm. 
it's so it's so hard when you go in and you're trying to help a new teacher and we set the goals and and where everything the momentum's going and then it's like okay now so here's your goal you're gonna work on this all week i'll be i'll come back in two weeks and we'll look mm-hmm. at this again. Mm-hmm. so it's been yeah. hard but but i think we're figuring it out now so that's good getting into more of a routine as far as how to support the two campuses right mm-hmm. right yeah yeah um, for PLC, what is the nature of it? What kinds of things do you do? Well, uh, everything from looking at data, like, so for instance, I've got one coming up next week, actually, where we, you know, we, we also are a MTSS district. So we have, like I mentioned, we have MTSS coaches as well as reading coaches. And so they focus on tier two, tier three. We focus on, I'm a, I'm a tier one. Uh, but we're going to work next week and we do core plans for core instruction. But then I'm also, we're also going to bring out data with, we do a cadence with Dibbles. So we're going to look at our data and then see what does that mean and have each teacher look at their data to see, okay, what are we, what are we needing to work in specifically to, to bring that up? So that would be one type. The other is, okay, now that we know we need to work on this, uh, I'll do some PDs on, you know, what is phonemic awareness? What, what are some strategies that we could use? Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about guided, re- I've done PDs on guided reading, um, how to do strategy groups, things like that. But it's, you know, when you're just in a planning time, you don't have a lot of time. Right. Yeah. It's not a long time. It has time. to be quick. Right. right. One thing that might be helpful is planning those teaching points for your mini lessons. Cause you talked about how you're seeing many lessons that are not really focused on one thing. So right. maybe like looking at, looking at data, looking at assessment data, looking at the curriculum and from there saying, okay, what teaching points are we going to work on for the next two weeks in our mini lessons that might help them right. target that. And that might be one way to support that area in your, whenever you're you know doing your sweep and you know, already that that's probably going to be a need. So that could be yes. one way that you work on that. Oh, I like that. I really like that idea a lot. Because then that would, it would get us focused on the mini, on the, whatever that point is, but then I'm also modeling as well. And we're getting, yes, you're building the bridge to, okay, this is what we keep talking about during PD. This is what I'm seeing in the classroom. So PLC is your way to say, let's apply it. Like here's, you know, PD, you know, the practices, but how do you do that? How do you make it happen? The PLC is a time that you can say, let's get some stuff ready. So when you go into your classroom and you're working on your lessons, you already have a piece of it prepared in the structure that we're asking. That is okay. That's actually one of the best things. Like, okay, I can do that. That would be really good. Cause then I could do the exact structure of a workshop so that they, we do the mini, the mini lesson, the teaching point, whatever that is. And then they have just, just like in workshop the kids get that independent time and they work on and apply that skill, then the teachers could work on and apply whatever skill it is we're talking about. And then you can have your closing share at the end, closing yes. share, just like you would with your students to say, how did you apply this? I really like I love that. it. I love the way you're I, looking at that. It's such a good idea. I really like that. That's, I think I, that's exactly what we're going to do. That's neat. I, you can make it super explicit too, like with a pie chart, you know, where you show the different components. This is what we're yes, doing right now. This know? is where we are. Mm-hmm. Yes. This and is where we are. Supporting people who need it, just like the teacher would be doing with their small groups, you know. In the right. Class. Yes. Well, I, that's, that's the best thing I've heard. 
I'm so excited. That sounds great. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> like, I, I know. I'm like, I that. never, you know, it's funny, you know, we, we preach and we were like, okay, you know, we, I need to see workshop model. This is what it is. Um, and I, and like I said, I'm, I'm just not seeing a, a lot of it. I'll hear, but I am doing workshop model, but I, I am doing workshop model. When you go in, it's not, but it's into the practice and they're seeing it with me in my, what I'm doing in my work, it will start seeing, oh, that's what that is. Oh, okay. I need to get one teaching point. Oh, I need to get shorter with my lesson. Mm-hmm. Student engagement. Yes. A purpose, purposeful, yes. you know, independent practice where they're applying what they just learned. And you're so that I love the way that you're thinking about that. Cause that's a really good way to bridge it for teachers. So they can mm-hmm. hopefully envision it and having experienced it, maybe they'll be more likely to feel comfortable trying it. Right. And then you get the differentiation as well. Cause that's one of the big feedbacks is, well, mm-hmm. how can you do this for every single grade level? We're not all the same. So I could still do that one, the main, the quote, the core. And then when they break up, okay, now let me help you with your need to, mm-hmm. to this. Yes. Let's make it fit with what you're working on right now. Just like right. what you would do in their small group. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've never thought of it like that. Thank you. That's oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's great. That, that yeah, actually that. should be fun. <laughs> it, I, that's what I'm thinking too, because, you know, a lot of the feedback that we get is, well, you know, it's a waste of time. We don't want to sit and listen. We got too much other things to do. And they do really like hands-on, you know, things that, things that are purposeful. So this would make it more hands-on and more purposeful. That's so true. Yeah. Then walking away with something that they are going to turn around in their classrooms. That's right. a really good way to make PLC relevant because they mm-hmm. say, okay, now I'm ready to do this. You actually save me time instead of giving me more work to do. <laughs> yes. I, yes, exactly. I, I really like that. That's really good. All right. Thank awesome. You. Do you have any other questions about, about this evaluating your work idea or anything else you want to ask about real quick? Right. I'm, I'm looking over my notes. I know I like the sweeping um, and setting the goals that way and coming back and looking at that after a six week period and this workshop idea for the PLCs. I think that will help. Um, do you have any other ideas for getting individual teacher feedback? Like, you know, I, well, I, I don't know. Sometimes I just, um, I don't look, I don't know if they are just going with the flow because that's what I expect. You know, or how do I know? I don't know how to phrase it. How do I know that they're really truly getting something out of it themselves and that they feel like this is purposeful? That's a very good question. Um, one can be like uh, anonymous feedback. You don't know individually necessarily who said it. You right. Guess sometimes you can kind of tell. Right. <laughs> But, but, but anonymous feedback might be helpful for them to be truly honest about, you know, I still feel like I don't understand the point of this or whatever. Um, I think, and you mentioned using Google surveys and I think Google forms as surveys. I think that's a great place to do that as well. Um, you can also, you know, really it it comes, the more that we listen and validate, the more likely they're going to tell us the truth. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. So whenever they are like, 
um, going through the process and, and you see the body language, you know, you can see what, who's like not super engaged or who's not super excited or the one I remember yes. one time, this is terrible. I was walking around the room during a PD and one person said that she liked to type her notes on the computer. And I was like, okay. So then I wa- I was walking behind her and she was literally pretending to type her fingers. She was oh. pretending to click the key. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh boy. I promise that relationship got better over time, but it was definitely a rough one at first. Yes. Um, so yeah. So there are definitely those who will, who will hide certain things. Um, but if you can see that somebody is disengaged and that somebody is just not, you know, really with you, they're not excited about what you're doing. You can ask them, you know, up front and you can say, you know, I can, I see that this doesn't seem like something that you're excited to work on. Or whatever way you're comfortable speaking, everybody speaks differently, you know, so whatever way you're comfortable asking a question about what's going on, you know, are you having, is is everything okay today? Are you having a rough day? Or, you know, is, did, um, is there something that you, you feel like you're really thinking about that you'd rather work on right now? Because sometimes we're just distracted by something else that just happened. Um, and if you can not only in that moment, but other times, if you can approach people and really listen to whatever they're struggling with over time, Mm -hmm. they will be more honest about, you know, this is not meeting my needs. You know what I would love to do. And you could also ask, actually, you could try PLC like this for a little while. And then you can say, okay, at a separate time from PLC, or you could also do it as a conversation during PLC. It depends on your structures. You can say, I would love to hear what would your perfect PLC be? What would be the point of PLC? If you think about professional learning communities and coming together as a team, what do you want to accomplish during this time? Because we're going to do it. So let's use it for something right. that's going to benefit you. What would be beneficial okay. to you? Do we, and they may say things like, well, I would like to find resources that actually, you know, help me plan my lessons, or I'd actually, you know, like to divide things up and everybody does a thing and then we share or whatever. They might have ideas that would be really helpful for structuring PLC down the road. Um, if they get to envision their perfect PLC and what that would be. And sometimes we right. can't always do those things, but we can at least ask and try to do those things. Awesome. Yes. Okay. I like that idea too. That's good. And then I just had one more question. I just thought about when you were just saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you remember I mentioned that there was a drop in our PLCs because of teacher feedback, teacher complaints. Mm-hmm. So admin were like, okay, we're not going to do this. We're going to take a break. Um, how do I get one? Like, how do I get admin on board? to support the need for the PLCs, even though teachers might complain at first. Cause I really think once we get going and we can do some of these things, mm-hmm. I think they're gonna be okay with it all, but that initial, okay, let's get yeah. into this. Yeah, the structures at first in starting up a new structure whenever people feel like it's taking their time mm-hmm. is very challenging. Yes. Um, so, you know, two things that you might consider is one, look at the data and two, the data that you collect from whenever you sweep across your school with your focused document about the curriculum. Okay, if you can put those that. two things together and say, look, this, this shows me that we need alignment. We need okay. uh, frequent support. We need it more than just meeting with individual teachers. Individual teachers are important, but if we're going to make sure that our kids are all getting the benefit of an aligned curriculum that we supposedly believe in, we need to make sure that that all the teachers have access to that learning too. And that's how we can do it is PLC. Right. I like that. Okay. That helps a lot. 
numbers help <laughs> numbers, yes. things in writing, things on paper, hard data, you know, that kind of thing helps whenever you're talking with administrators, because they are, you know, they have a whole set of separate issues that they're worried about sometimes. Exactly. And, um, and then sometimes they, they get so t- the complaints start going over their heads and they might mm-hmm. start getting a little nervous about that. Uh, but you know, if somebody over their head says, why are you doing PLC? And you can pull out your dad and say, this is why we do not have alignment on this campus. We do mm-hmm. not have teachers who are, are invested in the curriculum that we are using. So then kids are not getting a fair shake. And that's not, that's not fair to kids. Right. One class should not be different than another in terms. Of, I mean, obviously there are going to be differences and that's fine, but every, every kid deserves access to curriculum. Right. That's very good. Okay. I think. I have a lot to work with. Awesome. I'm so happy. Yes. (laughs) Well, you need to let me know how some of this goes, because I would love to hear about, you know, anything that you try out. I'd love to hear how it went. Okay. Well, I will certainly do that. I'll certainly let you know how this goes. Cause I, I will, um, this is very, um, on my, on my mind and trying to make sure that I am productive and effective and, you know, that we can, that I can help the teachers so that we are benefiting the students. So perfect. I love it. That's where it is. But thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thank you for joining me. All right. Thank you for having me. So that was so interesting. I really enjoyed that conversation with Diane. I love coaching conversations because they are what's really happening on campuses and real issues that coaches are dealing with. And she's not alone in those challenges that she shared. So I hope that you got some ideas that you can try out in your own coaching work. Thank you so much for joining me. Now, next week... I'm actually starting a new series about different kinds of coaching roles. And so I'm really looking forward to speaking with a guest who's a traveling coach. Actually, she's a traveling special ed coach. So even better, um, because that's an issue that a lot of special ed coaches have is they're all over different campuses as well. So we're going to talk about how they make all the good stuff happen while they're working with these different campuses. And between now and then, I want you to grab that webinar at buzzingwithmissb.com slash webinar with a capital W. Until then, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. <laughs>